something? <laughs> you got that? I'm sure anybody? No, uh, not like you know. <laughs> Hopefully, you can read English, right? Um, but the uh, the point of these uh, bumpers, we call them, is really so you can see just Alpha and how it works in people's lives all over the world, right? And I pray and hope that you that are participating in the Alpha with us, um, that God is starting to stir in your heart. Whether that is to remind you um, of some kind of basic foundational uh, truths of the Christian faith and how to have that conversation again. You know, um, you have the language called Christian ease. Have you heard of it before? Right? It's, you, you hang around church long enough, you get it, and you start speaking it fluently rather than knowing it, right? And so I'm praying and hoping that Alpha, as we remember some of these questions, these foundational uh, beginning questions, we could be uh, sharpened in that language. So there's still time uh, to sign up for Alpha, so I really encourage you to be part of it. So I have to um, let you know, we built a 10-week series in Alpha. We're doing it kind of a hybrid. Usually don't preach sermons on there. It's just a midweek thing, but we decided to do this. Um, so we put it into 10 weeks, and I've gotten a lot of conversations about, um, about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is one of the great mysteries uh, in the Trinity for a lot of us, right? And so um, we talked to the staff. He said, hey, we're going to put on um, what they call an Alpha Weekend. So November 5th, it's a Saturday, uh, starting at 9.30 here. Um, we're going to meet here for uh, a good part of the day. We'll have worship, do some teaching on the Holy Spirit so you can understand it. Um, that, and I just praise the Lord together. So anyway, invite you um, to be part of that. Alpha leaders love for you to come bring your groups here. Uh, we'll provide links for you. But anyway, so watching the announcements uh, online and the app for how to register for that, okay? But it's kind of a late edition, so we'll jump in. If you can't make it, it's okay. You're still going to have a great alpha, but we'd love for you to join us. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and we will get the Bible to you. And turn to Philippians 4, as you are discovering in this Alpha series, we're kind of all over the Scriptures. So I'd like to give you some, some places to be um, as we go through it. So Philippians chapter 4 will be a great place to be on that. Now, as I was studying this week's topic, um, man, I, I read what I've called um, an ironic phenomenon. An ironic phenomenon, and that is prayer. Um, because here, here's why it's ironic, and it kind of blew my mind. Uh, for unbelievers, did you know this? That 25% of people who say we do not believe in any higher power, they pray. Uh, a little ironic, isn't it? And I started thinking about it, kind of like, I could see, hey, 1%, there's, there's always that person, right? Um, in most studies, I'm that person, right? Twenty-five uh, percent of people say we don't believe in anything, but we pray. <laughs> but I started remembering when I wasn't a believer. Guess what I did sometimes? Pray. And I started remembering life. I asked so many of my non-believing friends when things hit, "Hey, will you pray for me?" Because I think they think I'm, you know, I'm a special conduit to God or something. Um, so they come and ask for prayer. It kind of blew my mind. But another aspect that was ironic is on the other side. I was reading about studies, um, and studies say that only 38% of Bible-believing Christians pray on a regular basis. Now, a high percentage says they have prayed, and they do pray, but only 38% say we do it on a regular basis. 
such as dating, right? I was like, whoa. So the opposite is because people say, I believe in a God, I found him, uh, I believe in Jesus, don't pray very much. And I said, well, why is this? I believe it's this because we don't understand prayer. Prayer has become something to us that it's not. Uh, to both non-believers and believers. When I was in youth ministry in Oakland, Island, there was this kid. Uh, he always come to the group. Uh, a very, very outspoken atheist, right? Um, he loved the games. And if, if you've ever been in youth ministry, we all got a routine, right? So we play, play, have fun, fun, and then we do a message, right? And she'd go, uh-oh, commercial time, he'd say that every day, right? <laughs> and so he's kind of, right, oh, yeah, you're right, he's kind of commercial time, and we give our, our sermon or message. But when it came to prayer, he would say this, prayer is like talking to a wall. I'd say, wow. You know, um, I said, you know, here's the hard part, I get it. I get why he would say that. You know, and, and it's, it, I think it's this is because, again, like I said, I don't think we understand prayer. You know, the analogy I have, and I thought about not giving this one, okay? It's going to be a baseball analogy. And if you were with me, I sat in front of the TV a long time yesterday, right? Are you guys okay? Are you all right? <laughs> no, no, let's be honest. How badly do we want them to win? <laughs> okay, I, I promise you, here's what I, I have an all plan. If they would have won, I was going to come up here with a shoe on my head, right? Right? I was going to do it. It's like, ah, oh, do that for that shoe rally, okay? And some people are like, why would you do that? Okay, go on, Google it. You'll find out, okay? Um, so I thought, okay, we'll go ahead and do this. I'm with you. I know we're hurting when I talk about baseball and softball. But I think it paints a, a good picture of how we should see prayer. Um, when I was on Orcas Island, uh, I was football coach, and that's what I did. That's what I loved there for years. Uh, our softball team was struggling at the high school. Um, and so the AD came and she tricked me. She tricked me. She said, I can't find a coach and our program's a wreck. In fact, we're going to have to shut it down because no one's going to play. And I said, you know, I love these kids. If you can't find a coach, I'll coach. I don't know anything about it. I played sixth grade, right? I said, and that was a mistake I made because it ended up in like 10 years of coaching. Uh, um, but uh, I don't know if she looked for a coach, but she shows up in the springs, hey, stop, um, I can't find a coach. Remember what you said? Oh, so I think I saw some coaching. So I said, and here's what, um, baseball's okay with me, but it's kind of boring. And I was like, it's kind of boring. But that's because I didn't understand. There's this thing called the game within the game. Okay, you understand that phrase, the game within the game? Meaning when you start learning and understanding the sport, you start learning at every single pitch. Well, there's hundreds of them in that game. Um, there is a massive amount of information being transferred, adjustment, ready. And so that pitch comes in. The whole defense is shifting. Their offense is doing things trying to get the ball in certain places. And you're coaching, boom. Um, it depends on what happens. If it's a ball, it changes things. If it's a strike, it changes things. Uh, if someone gets on base, it changes things. Everything changes. It's a sport. There is so much going on within it that you can't see if you don't know it. And it's boring. Right? It's all about the hot dogs and popcorn, which those are good things. Okay? Um, um, and so for prayer, there's a lot going on. And so what I want to do today, because the topic is huge, and so this is not going to be an exhaustive uh, message on prayer, but I'm hoping to, to wake some things up in all of us um, on what prayer is so we can better understand it. And again, if you're in Alpha, we'll talk a lot about it this week. If you're not, Get in the group. Get in the book. Talk to one of the pastors. Let us know. 
doubts, okay? We'll talk about prayer this week. Um, but it starts with this. Our question this week is why and how do we pray? Why and how do we pray? I want to start with that is why do we pray? And I want to read uh, just to kind of set us Philippians 4. Starting, I'm going to start with the end of verse 5 because uh, it's, it's a whole fucking sentence there. And I'll go through verse 7. So if you have your Bibles, Philippians 4, verse 5 through 7. The Lord is at your heaven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, that's request, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So as we look at this and we, we ask ourselves that first part of the question, why do we pray? I'm give you two reasons. The very first one is to honor God. We pray to honor God. You can see here in Philippians 4, verse 6, um, that prayer is honoring God because it is obeying God, because prayer is a command. God commands us to pray. He says, in everything, by prayer. Right? Romans 12, 12, it says to be constant in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. And there's many other scriptures that command us to pray. So we honor God when we pray because we're obeying God. And it makes sense of why he would command us to pray, right? Because any healthy family, right, is in connections with one another, right? How healthy, healthy is a family that never talks? Never connects? Heads for problems, aren't they? Right? All of a sudden, Caesar's like, oh, you know, it's a little icy in the house and no one's talking, right? You, know I mean? you can't stay there long, it can be a real problem. So God loves us. And he wants us to connect. And you can tell by the commands to uh, be constant in prayer, uh, pray without ceasing, that there's something going on. There is an attitude of prayer, not just this physical practice, because prayer has different rhythms to it. Um, but you, it, it's a heart attitude connecting with God. And that overflows into some rhythms and some practices where there's some formal prayers that come in as well. You set time to pray. You pray at a meal. Maybe it's bedtime. Uh, maybe you're praising. Maybe you're crying. Maybe you have a daily prayer time in the morning. Whatever. So you are have an attitude connected with God, right? The heart connected to Him because we're family. Talk about that a lot here, about being part of the family of God. It's the family way of staying connected. So we honor God by prayer, uh, by obeying Him. But John 14, 13 says this. We also honor God when we pray because it glorifies Him. Jesus says in John 14, He says, I will answer your prayers, what you ask are, because it brings glory to the Father. And glory is like bringing a spotlight on something or somebody. Lifting something up so it can be seen. When we pray, it brings a spotlight to God. It lifts God up. Uh, just think about that. When you uh, are talking to somebody and they ask you something and you say, let me pray about that. Doesn't it turn the spotlight on God? Say, wow, okay. 
you're getting God, you're going to go somewhere. So just you and this God are going to have a conversation. So God is important. God's going to guide you. It glorifies Him. But also this. When someone's going through a tough thing, right? You say, I'm going to pray for you. You pray for them. And all of a sudden, that thing, uh, what they're praying for, or whether it's healing, a decision, whatever it is, gets answered. What does that do for God? It honors Him. It glorifies Him. It lifts Him up. My uh, wife, my mom, my mother-in-law, who I love, like my own mom, um, went through a bout of cancer years ago. And um, before that, I mean, she had some Catholic not much talk about God and all that stuff or Jesus. She was scared, right? We've all know people that have gone through that journey. And um, so Sandy would say, well, let me pray for you. Uh, and she'd say, hey, you know, we're up on the locus at the time. Our church prayed for you. And all she'd say, man, I, my results are different. The dogs are shocked, right? Um, and she started seeing this. You know, you, know, you guys all know the cancer journey, right? Um, all these little steps and stages and all these things and have all their own anxiety. So, um, and I'll say this, uh, because this is a powerful part of the story. Her best friend, at the same time, got diagnosed with the same cancer. They had the same doctor, had the same treatment plans, everything. It was an interesting journey. Um, did the same thing, not a believer. But as our church prayed, things happened. And so they started calling us and saying, hey, I'm going to say And she would say, her mom said, hey, will you pray? And she said, because when your church prays, something happens. Right? Listen, so when we pray, it glorifies God, doesn't it? For other people, it's like, wow. And that's why now the conversation is very open about Jesus. Very open. And we pray all the time. One thing about my job title, tell me, but I'm the professional prayer outside of these walls. Right? You know that guy? You're probably that in your family, right? You pray. You pray. So I'm just, I don't know that. I pray a lot when I'm around the family. Um, that's okay. Kids are asking for it. They see that God has been glorified this girl and my wife praying and leading the church in prayer. Prayer honors God because it glorifies God. Prayer also honors God um, because of the position when we pray uh, of us humbling ourselves before Him. We lift Him up. Second Corinthians uh, Chronicles, excuse me, seven fourteen. Very, very famous, especially for political charge. If my people will humble themselves, right? Every election, we, we, we scream that Christians, right? We're praying right now for next year. Come on, Lord, do your thing, move. Um, but it says it's prayer for the nation, and, and God is going to hold them and change them and do beautiful things and heal them. What's it start with? Humbling yourself. Humbling yourself before God. Right? So when we pray, uh, we humble ourselves before God. Right? It's like this. Would you bow your head and pray with me? Why do I want you to bow your head? It's a posture of humbling ourselves. It is decreasing so he can increase, right? We kneel. Why do we kneel? Because we're kneeling before our king. We bow before our king. And in those times you see even Jesus you know, and, and others face down, sprawled out, praying. And it's the ultimate posture of humility, of raising God up on Him because He is God and we're not. And we know it. And we humble ourselves. I want to encourage you guys uh, with this. Change your posture of prayer. Because what it does, 
uh, to remind you that you need to humble yourself. And there are things that you cannot do that only He can. And that's why you're going to Him in prayer. Right? I know for me, the older I get, um, and you young people are going to get this, the ground gets a long ways away, and it really hurts my knees when I get down there. Right? Uh, and so, I don't do it as often, but when I do, I encourage you, if you haven't gotten your knees and prayed in a while, do it. Take the hour and a half it takes to get there and get some people helping you get back up. Whatever it is, right? Um, you can put a pillow on anything. Get on those knees. Do something different, right? To change your posture. Humble yourself before a mighty God. Uh, prayer is an opportunity for us to do that. We honor Him and we humble ourselves. And the last thing you see in Philippians 4, in uh, verse 5, in there, I read it, it says, the Lord is at hand. Some of your translations will say the Lord is near. It honors God when we pray because we commune with Him because He is near to us. I love what Psalm 145, 18 says. It says, God says, I will draw near to all who draw near to me. So we call Him when we pray. Guess what? We are growing into near to God. We are being close to Him. And this is the depth and intimacy of our relationship. Prayer is a very, very intimate with God as we draw near to Him. And you notice, I said the word communing is a not communicating. There's a huge difference. Huge difference. Communication is I talk to you, you talk to me. It's just a different thing. No, there's something more powerful and beautiful happening when we pray, and it's a communion. It's us being grafted, drawn near to God, um, the Holy God. There's an exchange of us as personhood um, and the wills and desires and all these amazing things that happen in prayer when you commune with Him. In fact, yes, um, some of you that have kids, you know, I have adult kids. Tell you what, I, when they're little, I love them to snuggle up, you know, put my baby sleeping on you, your child. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, I'm going to tell you what, you know, I'm a, a great friend. It's still beautiful when an adult kid will come in and wrap arms around you and hug you. Right? Uh, it, it's just communion. Not just, hey, we're talking about life, business, and the fact that we're in this family. We have, you know, a few common uh, conversations have. But this true communion is beautiful and powerful. It honors God. It honors you when your kids do that with you. It honors you my kids with me. It honors God when you commune with Him. So the first thing is, why do you pray? It honors God. The second thing is interesting. I want to give you an illustration. It, um, it harmonizes us with God when we pray, right? It harmonizes us with God. Here's a tuning fork. Um, there's this thing called harmonic resonance. Okay, what harmonic resonance says, and you might be able to hear this, um, uh, but it, 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 when this rings, right, it, it's playing a, a, a note or a key. I think it's a note. Um, and if I take this, okay, and it's not doing this, I've admitted it. But if I hold this, closer I hold this, it starts vibrating. It matches the vibration of this one that I struck. Um, and you can watch it. Type in harmonic resonance on YouTube, and you'll see this much bigger. I couldn't afford it. Just let me shoot straight with it. They're too expensive. I can afford these two, okay? But when you strike one, Meet this one. What's happening is I bring this closer. This starts vibrating and harmonizes with this one, the root one. 
if I took this in mucus and I put a microphone with this, you could hear this uh, vibrate the same tune as this. It's called harmonic resonance. And that's what happens when we commune with God. Um, we draw nearer to Him. We draw close to Him. And we begin to perceive what God has. Okay? And so the first way we harmonize with God when we pray is through God's peace. You saw it in verse 6, Philippians 4 6, right? Uh, when we pray, we get the peace of God. Do we get our own peace? Whose peace do we get? God's peace. Right? We need his force. We get God's peace. We get this deep, this peace, this comfort deep in our hearts, at the core of who we are. Even when we're going through the uh, challenges and difficulties of this life, there's this deep, deep peace that surpasses all understanding. It blows your mind and it blows people's minds around you. Why and how can you be at peace in the storm? Why are you different? That's not me. If we're going to talk about what I'm feeling right now, here's what it is. But here's what God has given me in prayer when I drew near to Him. It's God's peace. So we get God's peace when we pray. That's why we pray. But also what we get with God is we get God's will. We get God's will that God speaks to us and begins to move within us. Here's my will, uh, and I want you to know it. And it's prayers that we come up and we start tuning into what His will is. And begins to show us where I want to take you, where you're going to go. We start harmonizing with Him. And you see in the scripture, it tells you. Ask for anything you want. Uh, when you pray to God's will, I'll give it to you. Right? He says, I'm going to harmonize you with my will through prayer. So that you're going to know my will, understand my will, be in my will. And you can pray that. And I'm going to harmonize you with my will. And then he goes, keeps going. He says, I am going to harmonize you, tune you in to my wisdom. So once he gives you his will, then you're going to ask the questions, well, how do I do that? What's that look like? What are the steps to that? Right? And most of your prayers are right here. God, what do I do tomorrow? They've offered me this job. God, I, I, I can move here. Hey, I'm struggling with this person. You know? Hey, God, I'm going to make this medical decision. Whatever it is, right, right here. This is the one you find yourself in. James 1 5 is really clear what God does in our prayer. If we ask Him for wisdom, what does He do? He gives it to us. Does He just kind of give us a little bit? It says He gives it to us generously. He says, I want you to know how to walk this life. I want you to harmonize with me through prayer. I want you to plug in to me so I can guide you through this life that I have for you. And I'm going to give you wisdom of how to do it. I'm going to give it to you generously if you come to me. And we can do this life the way God has us to do this life. So we get wisdom, God's wisdom, when we pray. Uh, we also get God's strength. I love Psalm 138.3. Uh, it, 
it talks about when we pray, um, God strengthens our soul. God strengthens our soul. And I just think about that. This is not just the front of surface, but the core of who you are, the essence of who you are, is strengthened when we call to Him and we pray. And then, how am I going to do these things you've asked me to do, God? They seem hard. This road is tough. It's windy. It's steep. I don't get it. I don't understand it. My sight is short. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm all the emotion. Maybe I'm angry that I'm in this situation. God says, I'm going to strengthen your soul. If you'll pray, I'll give you my strength. I'll give you my strength to walk this out. So it's so important when we look at why we pray. We pray to honor God and to harmonize with God. That is the purpose of our prayer. And yet we've made it a lot of different things, right? So it begs the next question. And the apostles have the same one. So Luke 11, you can feel free to turn there if you want. Luke 11, uh, you know, the, the, the parable story, Matthew 6. Um, but Luke 11, Jesus is praying. And they're watching him. Um, and they, when he's done, they go up to him and say, you know, Rabbi, will you teach us to pray like that? I wonder, like, what that, what did they see? What did they see? I think we have some hints that maybe uh, her just got so religious that it made no sense. It wasn't relevant at all. And we know, you see, Jesus' prayers are very intimate, aren't they? Deeply intimate. Jesus seems like he's talking to somebody he knows, right? Crying out like it matters. And I think they're watching this like, wow. I would pray like that. How do you pray? Teach us to pray, Luke 11 1 says. So this next section is how do we pray? How do we pray? I want to start with this. I want to start um, with the theology of prayer. And just really a, a segment of the theology of prayer. I, I said this earlier, this topic is huge. But the theology I want to touch on is uh, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in prayer. Because here's what happens a lot. Uh, if you are new to prayer, um, and you can be, be a believer and be new to prayer, just so you know, because people, really, some people just, it freaks you out because what happens is it feels like it's a speech in front of people. And so what happens is because of, uh, they'll hear a certain line, they're like, okay, well, let me see that line. You know, they, they did this and uh, prayed in this person's name and all this. What, what's going on? I don't understand it. So, uh, Scott, you pray, right? Basically. Um, so, a basic understanding of what's happening so you know, and then we're going to do the real practical stuff. Um, so first, the Father. We see in Luke 11, 2, he begins to teach him a prayer, and he's going to teach him the Lord's Prayer. We're going to go over that this week, so I'm not going to go to some of you sitting there, well, just teach the Lord's Prayer. I know that's what he taught, right? And I would, except we're going to talk about this week. But the Lord's Prayer comes in there. The Lord's Prayer is in Matthew 6 as well, verse 9. So here it is. Um, he says this, um, Pray, pray this way. Uh, our Heavenly Father, how to be thy name. Right? You guys know it? He prays to the Father. You see Jesus pray to the Father. It's the most common element of Trinity that we address. And you do not have to address the Father only. 
because the truth of it is that they're all God. They're all access points uh, in the sense of prayer. They all have a role. Okay? But most common, you'll hear, is dear Heavenly Father, our Father which are in heaven, whatever. And it's because of this, because that acknowledges that the faith. When you come in and say, let me start to talk to you, uh, my faith is in you. Your Father. It's your kingdom, right? But I want to seek, not mine. So that opening tag to me, or we pray to the Father, is really about our faith. It's about His kingdom and us submitting to it. It also has a familiar aspect. Father meant something in that culture. It still does in our culture. Not the same degree, but what it means is this is the provider right here. You're the one that can provide. You're the protector. You're a father of this family, the spiritual family. So I'm going to address you. You're the one that's going to lead us. You're the one that's going to teach us. I'm going with you, Father, the head of the family. So that's why Jacob, you're here. Dear Heavenly Father, that's the Father's role. Now the Son's role, if you look at, let me to turn there, Ephesians 2.18, the Son's role is Jesus. He's the access to the Father. Right? He's the gate. He's how we go to the Father. And there's a beautiful story. I'm going to touch on it um, here. But Hebrews 10, okay, uh, 19 through 22, um, reminds us of this powerful thing that happened on Calvary at the cross. Okay? Jesus went to the cross, right? And shed his blood. And when he surrendered his spirit and he died, okay, it says something happened in the temple. Okay? The temple was where they worshiped. Right? And inside the temple was this place called the Holy of Holies. And inside that was the Ark of the Covenant, which is where in the Old Testament was where God's presence was. So it represented God's presence. Uh, and all the high priests, once a year, Yom Kippur could go in there and offer sacrifice for the sins of all people. Right? And so there's a curtain uh, that's 60 feet tall, probably four inches thick, massive curtain that enclosed uh, the Holy of Holies. And when Jesus died, that curtain tore, representing us the access for all of us because of the shed blood of Jesus and the redemption that we have to be Jesus and God's children, pure and blameless because of Jesus' work and redemption and forgiveness of our sins that we can go to the presence of God. We don't need any other high priest. We have one, and that's Jesus for all of us, right? And so what happens is when we pray, we can go into the presence of God because of Jesus' work, his access. And here's a little cool point. Um, there's so many stuff I just love to teach forever on. It's so cool. Is, um, what God did is he said, now the whole holy is the temple of God's presence is. Guess what? I'm going to move it to the temple that he did not make, that God created. That's you and me. Why can we pray without ceasing? Because God's presence is right here because of Jesus' work. Choice of the Holy Spirit. Right? So Jesus, the Son, is our access in prayer to what we will say when we end our prayer in Jesus' name. Because it's because of him and his work that I am in that presence of the Father and I am communing with Him. 
lastly, is the, the Spirit, the spiritual. Jude chapter 20 tells us to pray in the Holy Spirit, right? Something seemed to stand for you. Josh pointed out this great scripture. There's tons of scriptures, but I love this one. It really talks about the Holy Spirit's role. It's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. You can just kind of write that in the side notes, but listen to this. And then see what the Holy Spirit does is it guides us. He guides us. And he guides us to the depths of God. Don't we want that when we pray? None of us want to say this prayer, do we? We want the actual depths of who God is. And listen to what the Holy Spirit does. But, as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Listen to this. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person, which is in them? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That's the Holy Spirit. That we might understand the things freely given us by God. Now, isn't that powerful? The Holy Spirit guides us in our prayer to the depths of the knowledge of God. You want to know what God thinks about something? You want to know what God wants you to do? Go to the depths of the knowledge of God. The Holy Spirit will take you there. Right? The Holy Spirit also, I love this in Romans 8, uh, 26 through 28. That whole chapter is amazing. So you want to study some of this, read Romans 8 sometime. But it talks about this. Even if we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit, deep in our heart and soul, will be groaned understand our heart and what we need for the will of God. So even when you don't know how to pray, you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will intercede for you. How many of you have you ever been to a place where you just don't know how to pray anymore? And you're like, boom. Pray for something for so long, I don't know what to do. The issue seems so big. And I've been before and also you just feel like, oh God. You know, there's actually a spiritual help to that. So God, at you, I need you to go deep into me. You know yourself. You know me. You know what you have. Speak to me at the deepest places because I can't form words for it. It's too heartbreaking. I get it. I understand it. He does that. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit, our guidance in prayer. Um, uh, Acts 1 8 says, He's our power. So everything that he's going to reveal to you, he's going to tell you, he's going to show you, even things he doesn't, that he's going to move you in your spirit. He says, I'll give you the power to do those things. I'll give you the power to do those things. You can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit, not of your own. Right? So the theology is just a little touch that is big and powerful for us so that prayer starts making sense when we interact with it. Because the practice of it, when we start talking about that, we see some things where we really messed up. And some of our thoughts and practices of prayer are so far off of what God intends prayer to be. So if you look at the practice of prayer, there's three voices that I want to share with you that we are to pray in, okay? The first voice is the middle voice. The middle voice. 
Okay, but even though the, the Bible is written, uh, the, the people lived in a, in a Hellenistic or Greek society, even though we're looking at Jews and them and Romans, but it's still predominantly a Greek society. Right? So their language is Greek. That's why you hear us if you look at the church. Well, the Greek says this. Well, who cares what the Greek says? Tell what the English says, right? Uh, but we're saying that because we're trying to get to the root depths of the meaning of what's intended. So, in the Greek, uh, verbs have uh, three voices. The active, the passive, and the middle. In the English, it's only two voices. The active and the passive. Okay? And how that and, and what that voice of a verb is, it's, it's how the subject interacts with uh, the verb, the doing of whatever we're talking about. Okay? Um, and so, uh, in active prayer, it would be this. I pray God does what I say. Now, I could say this. God would have a red hat and a red seal. Secondly, I'm going to tell him what? And he's going to do it. And if he, if he, I tell you what. This, unfortunately, is the practice of most people of prayer. I'm going to go before him. I'm going to tell you what I want. And if you don't do it, if you don't do it, you can answer my prayer. And it's a faith question. Right? And then, so it's a big deal. It's like, God doesn't hear me. He's not there. Because I said, I asked, and it didn't happen that way. Because I pray in the active voice. Passive voice. Passive voice is, um, well, I'd say this God does. And I pray, I guess, out of discipline. And, and here's what happens as Christians, and, and a lot of people are, why don't you pray? Because I tried the active voice. You know it. I tried the active That didn't happen. I was talking to a wall, and so he's going to do what he's going to do, so I'm going to chill. I'm going to sleep in a little bit. Right? Because God is going to do what God's going to do. His will, I'm done. Right? And so that's the pathway. But here, folks, listen. Jesus knows not of this type of those voices. He always prayed in the middle voice. Right? And the English language doesn't know. Our practice doesn't know this. Um, and the middle voice is this. The middle voice says, um, there is somebody praying to somebody who's already done something, who's acting. It's already active, and that action is going to interact with that person personally, and they're going to respond in action. So you're in the middle. You with me? You're in the middle. So in prayer is, I pray to God who is holy, who is powerful, who is sovereign, and he is working eternity past, he's working eternity uh, present, and he's going to do something in me and through me. So I'm going to come to prayer with everything I have. My desires, my will, my heart, my hope, how I see it, what I'm experiencing, what I need, what I want to praise him for. And he's going to interact with that. And this is the great mystery and beauty of prayer. He's going to work within me. It's active. And in that, he's going to answer my prayer. He's going to lead and guide me as I harmonize with him. So you are to bring little voice, everything to him. Like it matters because it does. He hears you. He moves. 
Philippians 4, 6 is an example of your voice prayer. It says this, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but with thanksgiving, ask your prayer, by prayer and supplication, bring your request to the Lord, and he will give you the peace of God that surpasses understanding. So here's, isn't that, so you're supposed to ask for something and thank him at the same time? How do you do that? It's the middle voice. That you believe you're talking to someone who's acting, someone that's holy and powerful, eternal. And you come before him. And you believe that holy, powerful God can interact with you and who you are, how you're designed, and what's to guide you. And so you come in there and you're thankful because you guess what? You know you're going to him who can, who does, and will. So you interact with you are present, bringing your full, full faculties to a God that is sovereign and present and eternal and holy. It changes everything when you pray in the middle voice. It changes everything. Because you're not talking to a wall. You're bringing all of you. But you're also talking to a God who's holy and powerful. Right? And sovereign. It's sitting around waiting for my, me and my whims. Because his ways are not our ways. Right? I need this God. I'm not God. And I need a world that Scott's not God in. Right? And most of you know I came to the Lord when I was um, about 24. I know what a world of what Scott's God looks like and feels like. And then how it hurts people. And I know what a world like and with God. And how powerful that is. And that peace will surpass understanding. I get it. So I do not want a world where I'm God. And I love all of you, but I don't want a world where you're God either. <laughs> I want Him. I want Him. And that's praying in the middle voice. Okay? The second voice is the real voice. Uh, Matthew 6 is so clear. Why in the world do some people get up there uh, and give some sort of public speech in their prayer? I want to say, do you know how much damage you're doing to our prayer life of people? It's like, wow, we, whoo, okay, I'm out. Because um, most people say, when you pray, you think it's a speech, don't you? You're not thinking about God. You're not thinking about middle voice, anything. What words are they going to say? Am I going to sound smart and good? Do I sound like I know God or don't God? Do I know the scriptures well enough? There's old Bob over here, man, he quotes everything. Holy thing, he's about three hours in and he's still going. And he has a one-syllable word in 10 minutes, right? And so 90% of the world says, I'm done. Because if that's fair, I can't do it. And Jesus comes hard. He says, you hypocrites. Stop making this about you. Getting out into the courts and lifting up to show how smart, how much you know. Because God is all of our hearts. He wants us, the real you. Says the Gentiles, they thought word phrases would come. If I said the right sequence of words, then God would hear. Like God's some sort of monkey or something. Like, oh, good, you said it right. It wasn't the combination. You flipped those words, and now you got them right. The answer is yes, no. What are they thinking? Jesus is he's ticked at them. What are you doing? And I'm mad because it's destroyed uh, the prayer life of God's children. I see it have for years. God knows your heart. He loves you. You bring your voice, your word, your language, your faith to Him. 
he can handle, he knows you. If that's the conversation you want to have with him. My first time praying out loud, I, I, like I said, there's an opportunity to pray for different things, weird times, you know. Um, but as a, well, I wasn't involved with this time. I went to um, uh, the church that we went to, San Diego, the day we were going to try church in Washington, but it was going to be this uh, thing called Home Builders, a married thing. So we went to the Home Builders meeting because some of our friends are going to leave. They're invited. So we're sitting there, some old dudes chatting, telling us all about Home Builders. I'm just sitting there. And literally, as far back as I can't leave this wall, everyone else is sitting down. I'm leaving the wall so I can get out. It's a religious thing, not too weird. Um, and the old dude did this, right? We're done. He said, let's close the prayer. Scott, we pray. I actually said, I don't know how to pray. He said, oh, that's perfect. Let's pray. And everyone bows their head, and I'm standing there looking at him. like, what the heck? So I said something. I wish I would have recorded that. I bet you it might have been my most beautiful prayer ever. Um, I told you guys a story just a few weeks ago. After I preached them, um, two messages ago, it's about three weeks, and I got down, I was walking down the aisle, and somebody grabbed me and says, I want Jesus. You guys know that story I told you? Um, and I loved it, you know. Um, uh, so you just tell me that, and I'll forget about my messages. Uh, so I hugged her, said, you did Jesus? Yeah, and so she's crying, and then we end up praying, right, and she gospel scripture, scripture with her. And, and she, she said, yeah, I, I want to pray, and I want Jesus as my Savior. And I did this. I said, okay, invite him in. She says, I don't know how to pray. You don't have to. You do. Just talk to him. About what? Just talk to him. I tell you what, now I've heard that one. I'm old enough now. I remember, uh, I, guys, this is the most powerful, beautiful, theologically, doctrinally sound prayer because she was just tuned into Jesus' heart. That's was beautiful and powerful. And she's just weeping. Her son's there. It was just cool, right? Um, God wants your real voice. Your real voice. And you pray. And lastly, what's your expectant voice? You know, First John uh, chapter 4, um, I think it's uh, verse 14. Um, it says you can be confident. You can be confident, right? Come in confidence. Uh, if you pray for news, Lord will give you what you want. He wants us to come to prayer in confidence because he's a beautiful God. He's a powerful God. Um, and Romans tells us uh, he is working for the good of those who love him, right? And he defines good, folks, just so you know. But I can tell you what, uh, what he defines as good is really good. That is good, you know. Our sight's limited. We see this, and it's very painful sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense. I shared with you guys a couple months ago that I sat in a place and my heart was broke because I had to come and do what they hear a memorial service where an eight-year-old girl had to say goodbye to her mom. And this lady was powerful, an amazing Christian woman, impacting lives ever, and I didn't understand. And her daughter was weeping out loud. I don't get that. That's one of those heavens, God, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Um, but I'm not God, and I know you're good. And I know this is going toward good, and there's something bigger that I don't see, and some days my, my lens will change as I see God in His fullness. First Corinthians 13 says, I'll know in full, I'll only know in part right now, right? And so I have to, by faith, it's okay, but I, He wants me to come expectantly to pray and know that He is up to good. Uh, and in prayer, this in James 5, 16, is powerful to heal. Prayer is powerful to heal. 
why do we pray for those who are sick? Because he says prayer is powerful. And so guess what? By faith, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray in faith over healing because he heals. He does heal now and he heals forever. So we're going to pray in faith. Right? So expect the voice that he heals. Expect the voice that he works miracles. One of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah 33 3. Because all the girls are favorite numbers 3. Right? I love it. But the, the, the scripture says this. Uh, call it next you, and I'll show you great and mighty things. Uh, some translations say unspeakable things. Maybe I'm going to show you miracles. And he's kind of alluding toward Jesus, which is the miracle of miracles for people, right? But God is supernatural. Sometimes we try to make it natural. There's only miracles. Come to expect something that's outside of the box. That's better and bigger than this world. Probably going to blow your mind sometimes. But that's our God. Uh, he's a God of miracles. And we want to come to it supernaturally and say, yes, God, I'm going to pray to you powerfully and expect it that he works. So the question becomes this. What do we do with all this? I know it's a lot. I just pray that God will help us see things. And my prayer for you is that prayer will make a little more sense and you understand your role, that miracles, your role of harmonizing with God and honoring him and you get this God that's powerful doing great things uh, in and through you and all around you. So what's the next step? Here's two I want to give you. One is, I talked about access. This prayer is amazing, isn't it? What a gift we have. But there's only one way to it, and that's through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross for you. It's by receiving his grace of his son Jesus to come and die for your sins, uh, and us accepting that work, that yes, we are sinners. We need your grace. We are both sinners, and we continue to sin. And we need the grace of God through the Son, Jesus Christ, work on the cross, and then his resurrection, to have victory over life, so that we can live the resurrected life with him. And when you do that, you have access to God because he says, Holy Spirit comes into you, is present with you, and you can pray constantly without ceasing to give him, right? So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, start there. Be brave. There'll be people that I'm here to pray with. I'll be back there. Um, grab me on the way by. I love that. And you just tell me I want Jesus and let's pray. Let's talk about that. And the second thing sounds simple, but what we have the we have the brokenness, and that is the next step is to pray. Whatever you've got in your way, feels like talking to a wall, maybe. You didn't know the voice you're supposed to talk to him. Um, maybe your heart's broke because there's prayers that you prayed that didn't get answered. And I'm hoping you heard that God is good, he loves you, he's still working. And there'll be a day that your eyes will understand it. It might be on this side, it might be on the next, but you keep praying, you keep pointing to Jesus. So we're going to take just a minute with this song, and I'd ask you all just to lead us in prayer. So let's, as a church, just pray. Lord, I love you.